you for being with us today. And we uh, appreciate your presence. Our lesson for this morning is something that I've been pondering over the last few weeks. I haven't had a, a real series like I did on Sunday mornings. We've been doing our series lessons more on Sunday night. And uh, that's alright. Uh, so I've just been coming up with lessons each week. And, and a lot of them surround thoughts that I've had in, in my own personal studies or, or maybe in other lessons. Uh, I teach classes on Tuesday as well at the School of Preaching. And, and so um, the, lessons for, or the lesson for today is going to be centered around some of the thoughts that we have been studying in our class on Tuesdays. We have been studying singing and how music relates to the church. And, and it's been an interesting study. We've gone through the Old Testament and we've uh, studied a lot of passages that, that dealt with the worship of the Old Testament. And we know that the worship of the Old Testament is different than the way we worship today. And yet there are some principles that we can apply from the Old Testament to our worship today. There are things that we can learn from those back in the Old Testament days. We have most recently been studying worship and really digging a little deeper into worship. And it's actually some lessons that I've done here before, but it's been a while since we have done anything related to our worship and why we assemble and, and what we're doing when we assemble. And so I felt that it good today to go back and look at some of those things, look at some fundamental thoughts regarding worship and what we need to know about worship. Why do we need to be reminded of things we already know? I mean, obviously you already know that worship is important or you wouldn't be here today. And again, certainly we are glad that you are here. But why do we need to be reminded of these things? I think of the words of a song. It's not one that's in our songbook, uh, but it's one that I've sung almost all my life. Remember, I'm human. And humans forget. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. We sometimes, just as, as part of human nature, we forget things, don't we? I forget things on, on a regular basis. Ask anybody that's close to me and they'll tell you that I, I am rather forgetful. And sometimes, even though we have this routine of coming together for worship, sometimes we forget things. Sometimes we forget why we're here. Sometimes we forget the importance of the assemblies that we have. It is good to be reminded. And that's what this lesson is about. So what do we need to remember? There are certain things that I want us to look at today that will help us, I believe, in our worship. We need to remember why we worship. We need to remember who we worship. And we need to remember how we worship. All of those things are very important. Then I also want us to look at some enemies of our worship. 
But our lesson objectives for this morning are, first of all, to remind ourselves of the proper reasons for worship and the proper way to worship. And secondly, to be sure that the worship we offer God is what God is pleased with. Ultimately, that's what we're here for. It's to please God. We want to make sure that what we are doing is pleasing to Him. And so we begin with why are we assembled? Why are we assembled today? We have gathered together for the sole purpose of bringing glory and honor to God. And now there are some things that fall in line under that, but, but overall, everything that we do, we want it to be done in a way that praises God. In the way that He wants us to. Not in the way that we want to. And not in the way that others would want us to, to worship. But we want to bring glory and honor to God. Now is it possible for us to forget? There are some passages, even going back to the Old Testament, that tell us of those that forgot. Amos chapter 5. Amos chapter 5. Beginning with verse 4. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me and live. Verse 6. Seek the Lord and live. Lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph and devour it with no one to quench it in Bethel. Verse 21, I hate, I despise your feast days, and I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them, nor will I regard your fattened peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments." But let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. Did you offer me sacrifices and offerings in the wilderness forty years, O house of Israel? You also carried Sekuk, your king, and Chayun, your idols, the star of your gods, which you made for yourselves. Therefore I will send you into captivity. Beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is the God of hosts. In Isaiah 1, beginning with verse 11. Isaiah 1 and verse 11. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams... And the fat of fed cattle, I do not delight in the blood of bulls, or of lambs, or goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand, to trample my courts? Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the the Sabbaths, and the calling of assemblies, I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. 
They are a trouble to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. As we look at Israel and Judah, we find that they forgot their worship. They forgot what it was about. And even though they did worship God, there's a problem because even in worshiping God, even in offering their sacrifices, one of the things that they were doing is they were still worshiping idols. They were breaking the first of the commandments. They had placed something else in place of God. And so what worship they were offering was futile. It wasn't pleasing to God because they were not worshiping Him alone. They forgot who they were worshiping. They forgot why they were worshiping. And they forgot how to truly worship God you think of the Samaritans in John chapter 4. We, we read of the, the woman at the well. And, and we read of Jesus speaking to her. And in this conversation she asked him, Where are we going to worship? They had forgotten. There's a generation of people again that had forgotten what worship was all about. And Jesus says there's going to come a time when it's not going to be about where you worship. But it's going to be about how you worship. You must worship in spirit and in truth. And so we have that for today as well. I think of the scribes and the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 6. When we begin reading in verse 5, Jesus is teaching His disciples how to pray. And when He's teaching them in Matthew 6 and verse 5, He says, And when you pray... You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. The scribes and the Pharisees, they were guilty of forgetting what worship was all about. You see, they did the things that God wanted them to do. They knew the law and they kept the letter of the law. But their purpose was no longer on worshiping God and, and doing things to, to be to His glory and honor, but it was to bring glory and honor to themselves. And that's exactly what Jesus is expressing here with these hypocrites. They like to pray to be seen, to be heard, and, and for people to recognize them. That's not what worship is about. They had forgotten, hadn't they? Is it possible, even when assembling every Lord's Day, 
or whenever the doors are open, is it possible for us to get why we're here? Absolutely it is. And we need to be reminded of why we are here. We need to remember that it's about God and not about us. As we glorify God, we are also building up our fellow brethren. Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25 And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. One of the reasons that we gather, one of the reasons that we are not to forsake, not to abandon the assembling of ourselves is because of what it does for each other. We consider one another when we come together. And all of this again brings glory to God because this is the way that He wants us to worship. But we are to consider one another. We're to be mindful of one another and how we can help each other, how we can build up the brethren, and how can you do that when you're not in their presence. Even certain gifts that we possess and are able to use are, are to be used for edification. Ephesians 4, beginning with verse 11. Ephesians 4 and verse 11. And He Himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. The things that we are able to do in service of God, it's edifying. It lifts us up. It readies us for the battles that we're going to face in life. But again, how can you be edifying one another when you're not here? It's very important that we be present when the saints are assembled so that we can be considerate of one another, so that we can build up the body, so that we can help each other in times of need, just as the example of the first century church that we have in the book of Acts. We need to remember why we worship. But we also need to remember who we worship. Who do we worship? Whenever we come together, who are we worshiping? Our worship is only God. We are to worship only God. 
even going back to the Old Testament. You go back to the Ten Commandments. In the first couple of commandments that are given, in Exodus 20, beginning with verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity, the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. And you shall not make for yourself a carved image. Any likeness of anything that it is in heaven above or that it is in the earth beneath. God is the creator of all those things. And if we worship them, then we're worshiping the creation rather than the creator. And God warned His people very strictly against it. We are not to forget that we are here to worship God. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God. When we come together, we are worshiping God. Is it possible that even when we word prayers to Him, that, that sometimes we may forget who we're talking to? Those hypocrites did in Matthew chapter 6, the ones that Jesus spoke of. We need to think about who we're talking to. When we sing, we need to think about who we're singing about. We need to remember what our worship is about. It's about serving God. And He is the exclusive object of our worship. Our worship is not of men. Not in any setting or situation is it ever acceptable to worship other men or other beings. A couple of good examples. One of those is Peter with Cornelius in Acts 10, verses 25 and 26. Acts 10, verses 25 and 26. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. Peter refused to let Cornelius worship him, not even for a moment. And we read the example of the angel with John in Revelation 22, verses 8 and 9. Revelation 22, verses 8 and 9. Now I, John, saw, the, saw and heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. John felt the need to worship this angel. Then he said to me, the angel said to John, See that you do not do that. For I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Worship God. God is the only one we should worship. God the Father. God the Son. God the Spirit. God is the only one we are to worship. 
Worship of any other is absent of authority of God and should not be participated in. And we need to make sure that when we assemble that we are keeping it that way. We're not worshiping men. We're not worshiping anyone or anything but God. And how do we worship? How do we worship? We must first prepare our hearts for God's worship and service. We must prepare our hearts. As we were discussing this in, in our class, I asked the question, you know, how much time do you spend preparing yourself for worship and what do you do in worshiping? And we talked about the importance of even Sunday morning when we rise, we, we prepare ourselves. We prepare our hearts just as much as we prepare anything else. But we prepare ourselves for worship. And one of our class members said, we need to start on Saturday night. I mean, that's a good point. Even on Saturday night, even before you go to bed, you're preparing your heart for worship the next day. How important is it? Ezra chapter 7. Ezra 7 and verse 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. Ezra had prepared his heart. Ezra led the people of God in worship and service and, and was tasked with bringing them back from captivity to, to proper service of God. A little bit further in that same chapter, in King Artaxerxes' letter to Ezra, we read this, Ezra 7, beginning with verse 13. I issue a decree that all those of the people of Israel and the priests and Levites in my realm who volunteer to go up to Jerusalem, may go with you. And whereas you are being sent by the king and his seven counselors to inquire concerning Judah and Jerusalem with regard to the law of your God, which is in your hand, and whereas you are to carry the silver and gold which the king and his counselors have freely offered to the God of Israel, whose dwelling is in Jerusalem, and whereas all the silver and gold that you may find in all the province of Babylon, along with the freewill offering of the people and the priests, are to be freely offered for the house of their God in Jerusalem. Now therefore be careful to buy with this money bulls, rams, and lambs with their grain offerings and their drink offerings, and offer them on the altar of the house of your God in Jerusalem." This is Artaxerxes' decree to the people that they worship their God. That they use these things to worship their God. And Ezra, Ezra prepared himself to know the law of God, to know what sacrifices needed to be offered, and to share that with the people, to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. But he had to first prepare his own heart for the service of God before he could prepare the people. And that's a lesson for, for us preachers or anyone that stands in the pulpit that we must prepare ourselves. 
to prepare God's people for worship. True worship. Today we should seek no other's will but God's. Sometimes it's easy for us to get, forget that. And, and maybe we begin serving self or otherwise. But our worship is to be pleasing to God above all. We understand God's will for us in worship. We, we hold to those standards always. We are commanded to sing praises unto Him. Colossians 3, 16. Ephesians 5, 19. Just a couple of verses that, that tell us of how to sing. We are commanded to pray and we're told how to do so. Ephesians 6, 18. Philippians 4, 6. Colossians 4, 2. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. We are commanded to partake of the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine. 1 Corinthians 11. We are commanded to give upon the first day of the week, 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2. We are commanded to preach the gospel as Paul did in Acts 20 and verse 7. He preached unto them until midnight. We should prepare our hearts to participate in these acts of worship as we are commanded and only as we are commanded. By worshiping by God's authority, we are glorifying and honoring Him in what we are doing. Going beyond God's authority makes our worship no longer about God, but more so about ourselves. Psalm 119, and beginning with verse 33, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. Turn away my reproach which I dread, for your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. When we learn God's way, we need to continue in God's way always. And only in His way. And finally, I want to talk to you a little bit about enemies of worship. There are things that would stand against us in true worship of God. Consider what may become enemies of our worship. Should our hearts not be fully prepared for God's service. There are many things that could distract us from our worship of God. Our thoughts even are an enemy of our worship. Just think in your worship today as your mind strayed away from the songs we've been singing or, or the prayers that have been praised the, the lessons that have been taught have our minds 
wandered away from those at all. Usually as we get closer to the end of the service, we sometimes wander into thinking, well, what are we going to do for lunch today? And, and what else do we have planned? What's on our calendar? What's on our agenda? What do we need to do today? Our thoughts can be a great enemy of our worship. And especially me, whenever I'm preaching or leading singing or both, it's important for me personally to keep my thoughts from wandering. Sometimes it's easy during a prayer to think about what's the next song and, and what, what are we going to do in the next part of this worship rather than focusing on the prayer itself. And I have to be very careful of that. We all have to be careful of our thoughts and make sure that our minds are focused on God. When we pray, we often pray to, to put away the cares of the world, the cares of today, so that we can focus only on God. But are our thoughts centered on God? Our mind, our mind is an enemy of our worship. It can distract us from what we need to be focusing on. Our devices are an easy thing to distract us. Ready access to anything and everything other than God at our fingertips. Uh, sometimes you may see kids, if you go visit a congregation, sometimes you may see kids that are playing games more so than paying attention to a worship service. And, and, and we shouldn't teach our kids to do that. There are good things that we can use our devices for. I, I like using my iPad to, to have the Bible in front of me. I can take notes, and I have several notes from many sermons that I've heard over the last two or three years. And I, I like being able to look up things now and then and, and just kind of think about uh, what the uh, lesson is about. And sometimes we use those thoughts in our Bible classes. And I think it's good for us to know how to use our Bible uh, on devices because it's always with us. You may not always have a Bible handy, but you have those devices with you and you have the Bible on them, why not use it? And we taught our teenagers at Gilroy, when we were teaching the teen class, we taught them how to use those things. We wanted them to use those things so that they could have a good understanding of how to use the Bible. It can be used for very good things, but also it can be used for other things as well. It's easy to wander over to Facebook or, or some other social media and and see what's going on with other people. Like I said, games can distract us. Especially children and young adults. But, but even in us older people, I'll include myself in there too. It's good for us to be reminded not to be distracted from our worship. It can be an enemy. Can it? The clock can be an enemy of our worship as well. Don't get me wrong. Preachers need to be careful. They need to be mindful and respectful of others' time. And I try to do that. Sometimes I'm not as good at it as others. But I try to be respectful of your time. But we also should be respectful of God's time. And while we're here, while we're assembled, while we're together... Whatever we're doing, we are doing it 
to the glory and honor of God. Sometimes it's easy to focus on the time and where we need to be after services and things of that nature, but it can also be a, an enemy of our worship. When we keep looking at the clock instead of listening to the sermon or, or, or singing or, or praying, whatever we're doing, then the clock has become an enemy. Familiarity is also an enemy of our worship. Doing the same things for years. When I came to Mars Hill, we had the, basically the same format that I was raised with. We, we, we always sang one song before the announcements. And we had the announcements. We usually did two songs and a prayer and another song, the sermon. We, we followed the same format that I was raised with. So I'm very familiar with, with that part of our worship. It's kind of tradition in that way. It's a good thing that we do things in an orderly fashion and that we know what's coming up next. It's good for us to be familiar with our worship. But sometimes that familiarity can lead us away from our focus of God. Because we do the same things over and over again, the same way each and every week, sometimes we get a little too familiar. And we use it to forget. Not on purpose, but we use it to forget who we're worshiping and how we are supposed to worship. This mostly becomes a problem when we fail to prepare our hearts. If we prepare our hearts in the right way, then, then how we, we order the service shouldn't matter. It shouldn't get in the way of our focus. In Revelation chapter 4 and verse 8, the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Why did these living creatures not rest from their worship? There was no need for rest, for one thing. As we look at heaven, we look at eternal spiritual beings that have no need of rest. And when we get to heaven, we're not going to tire of worship, are we? I think it was put best by one of our teenagers a few years ago when Jeff and I were teaching the teen class back here. I remember Jeff asking this question, or maybe he was just referring to it from another time, but, but I remember this question being asked. Why do they not rest in their worship? And one of our teenagers said, because each time they worship, each time they say, holy, 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 they, they say it over and over again because each time is like the first time. You know, the first time that you worship after you've been baptized, you're almost, you have a fire that is burning and you, you desire to worship God and each time in heaven